1: We are officially closing in on divisional round weekend in Baltimore, getting ready for a 4.30 kickoff on Saturday, not Sunday, Saturday between the Ravens and the Texans and partner today's guest. We had a conversation with him week one about his Texans. It's safe to say that they are very different than they were a couple months ago and they come in hot and fearless.
2: I remember that if I, if I do remember correctly, John was quick to say that the Ravens are going to win and win big. So now that we're this far, you know, now we're in January. I'm really interested to hear what he's got to say now.
1: For sure. he is a senior columnist for the Texans flagship stations down south at sportsradio610.com. You can find his writing. He does a ton of different hits, and we are one of just many stops that he has many. on today. We really appreciate his time, as always. He's a Texas Sports Hall of Famer, and we are thrilled to have him back here inside the vault. John, thank you so much. Let's begin here and it's the obvious question, what has changed between the last time we talked and now these guys are riding high, they're playing fearless football, they got a, probably the coach of the year and the rookie of the year as well?
3: Well, they, things have changed for both teams. You know, it's Todd Monken's first game as offensive coordinator, and the Ravens have changed a lot as well as they've gotten accustomed to his style and the difference he had from Greg Roman. Texans started 0-2. And I thought, oh, my goodness, my six-win prediction, I'm going to be short again. Last year I picked six. They won three. This year I thought, okay, maybe they'll get up to six. And they did start 0-2. And then they beat one at Jacksonville by 20, beat Pittsburgh here by 24. And all of a sudden we saw, well, maybe this team can be different, at least respectable, and maybe win seven or eight games. And it's been kind of stunning because since the first two, they're 11 and 5. And it all starts with D'Amico Ryans and, of course, C.J. Stroud. D'Amico's last game is a Texan. I'm writing a column about this day. was the playoff loss at Baltimore on January the 15th in 2012, thirteen, wow. And uh, it's amazing. I went back and reviewed that game. And uh, as J.J. Watt's rookie year, and he had two and a half sacks, 12 tackles, three for loss. Ravens, of course, had two Hall of Famers and Ray Lewis and uh, Ed Reed. And it was was a seven-point game, and I decided, well, when I'm picking the one on Saturday, I'm going to do a seven-pointer again. Spread here is nine or fluctuates between nine and nine and a half. So as a tribute to D'Amico Ryan's last team, I picked it by seven, twenty-seven to twenty, and uh, this team—they've had a lot of injuries. They played four left tackles, four left guards, four centers, one right guard, and four right tackles. It's amazing what's happened to their offensive line. That's one reason they're not very good at run blocking. And and you guys know it's supposed to be cold and clear, but if the wind's coming off the harbor, you got to run the ball like the Ravens always run the ball, and that's where the Texans have struggled. And uh, so they rely on the passing of C.J. Stroud. He's been tremendous. And uh, Bobby Slowick, his first-year offensive coordinator and play callers in demand. Everybody wants to talk to him about vacant head coaching jobs. So they're hoping it's not Slowick's last game here. And uh, But they're more exciting. I wouldn't say they're they're better defensively because they've been up and down defensively certainly not as consistently good as the Ravens have been but the last game against Joe Flacco who beat them in D'Amico Ryan's last game at uh, M&T Bank Stadium uh, they uh, they they're a lot better than they were because of the way they can throw the ball and Stroud just hasn't thrown interceptions and that was a problem in that playoff game in 2000 and Twelve TJVH, their rookie quarterback, through three, and I'm pretty sure if Stroud throws three, they're going to get beaten this one too.
2: John, I'm a uh, I'm in Columbus, so OSU. We've seen Stroud for a while now, uh, as we mentioned, uh, a candidate, maybe at runaway uh, rookie of the year. Uh, can you tell us what I, to me? I he's just always played good on big stages. But what is it that has been the key to his success this early as a rookie? Even even Lamar Jackson said the other day, he played better in his first playoff game than I did.
3: Let me go back to when they drafted him. In the last game of regular season last year, they won in Indy and Lovey Smith went for two and they made it. So it blew the first pick. Fans, media went ballistic because it blew the Bryce Young pick. And then when they took CJ and then traded up to the third spot, with Arizona to get Willie Anderson Jr. it solved their two biggest needs, quarterback and edge rusher. So when CJ got in here, we instantly liked him because he was a really good interview, very from the heart, genuine. We always get good quotes out of it. We voted him as our good guy award for the player who is best for us to deal with, and that's amazing for a rookie. But we didn't Mm. see anything special out of him until the second game in Indy. They lose at Baltimore 25-9, then they come home and play Indy. They lose by 11, but he threw for 384 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 190 in the fourth quarter when they're playing makeup. I'm like, okay, that, that's why they took him second overall. And then they went 37-17 and 31-6 in the next two games against the Jaguars and Steelers, and all of a sudden we thought, wow, You know, he's better than we thought. And I can't imagine anybody who predicted that C.J. would be as good as he is. And he will run away with offensive rookie of the year. I think Kevin Stefanski will win coach of the year because that voting's done before playoffs. And I think it'll be close, but I think Stefanski will win it. And so C.J.'s been so consistent. He's only thrown interceptions in three games. He had three in one game, and they won. And so he led the NFL in touchdown to interception differential, and which is amazing for a rookie. And the thing that they liked the most about him, and you may have seen this in Columbus, it, it bothers me now the the uh, scouting reports that said his receivers made him. And now mm-hmm. I look back and say maybe he had something to do with those receivers that were also great and I and number one pick. So the, if you ask anybody here, they'll say his poise in the pocket, his decision-making, and his accuracy. Those are the three things. Nothing is too big for him. And another thing that bothered me about the scouting reports – Everybody talked about they were worried about his mobility. Well, I went back and looked at game to game, and he ran for 75 yards against Northwestern in a game. So it's obvious he told us at the combine, yeah, I can run, but I got receivers running open, and if I didn't get them the ball and I took off, I'd never hear the end of it. And that's the way it is here, uh, where Lamar will take off and run, C.J. will move around, and we might go, man, you need to run, you need to run. And at the last instant, he'll pull up and throw. And that's the way he was at uh, the Ohio State. And uh, so he's he's been that way here. But I got a feeling when he needs to run, like say he did in that Georgia game in the semifinals last year, that he will. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he doesn't run more at M&T Bank Stadium than he has any game this year because they need it.
2: Mm.
1: So, John, in terms of the playmaking ability around him, how big of a loss is Noah Brown? And I think it, what, what you're getting at here a little bit, correct me if I'm wrong, is that based on your comment about the, the, the people around him at Ohio State, he's making these, these, the personnel around him better. So if that's the case... What does he what do they have now that Noah Brown's out of the equation?
3: Well, the one they miss is Tank Dell. Noah Brown was fine, but he's been in and out of the lineup. He had two great games, hundred yards back to back, but he's gotten hurt too much. And uh, so when Tank Dell went out six games ago, that was his deep threat. A rookie 5'8", 165. one sixty five. He'd been tremendous. seven touchdowns, averaging eighteen yards of catch. And then Nico Collins, here's a guy. That is a great example of what uh, Stroud could do for him. Now, Collins has been great. We saw flashes of it his first two years. He's from that school up north from Columbus. And uh, boy, he's been hard to to live with since uh, that school up north went unbeaten and won the national championship. (laughs) But Nico Collins has really emerged. He catches slant routes. He's 6'4", 220, spent a lot of time in the weight room in the offseason. He breaks a lot of tackles on those slants. He makes diving catches. There was one in their victory in Indianapolis that they had to, to win to make the playoffs in which Stroud ran around, through to a spot. Collins cut, got there, made a diving catch that everybody just raved about. And those two have become like – bacon and eggs. They just go together. And you know the Ravens are going to do everything they can to take out Collins. Then you got to have somebody like a tight end, Dalton Schultz and Brevin Jordan. They averaged 56 yards a catch in the uh, in the victory over the Browns. Each of them had one catch, one seventy-six yard touchdown by Jordan, and one thirty-seven yard touchdown by Schultz. So they got to have somebody else emerge. Dalton Schultz is the second best receiver that he relies on. And as far as the other wideout, you'll see a mixture between veteran Robert Woods, second year receiver, John Mechie the third, coming off the best game, but he hadn't had many because he had leukemia last year as a rookie. And then uh, and you'll see a little bit of Xavier Hutchinson, a rookie. So they have to spread it around. They'd like to run the ball. Better, they're 6-1 and when they run for 100 yards, 3-0 and when Devin Singletary rushes for 100, and they use Singletary out of the backfield because he's really good. But I tell you what, Stroud doesn't like to check it down. After they lost to Carolina on a field goal with no time left, the low point of the season, he said, I want some explosive plays. And when you have a first-time play caller, he's adjusting as well. So Bobby Slowick started doing everything he could to throw the ball down the field. And when Stroud had his concussion and missed two games, they were second in 25-plus plays to the 49ers.
2: So, John, take us into this Browns game. It was one of the few that, you know, because it's uh, playoffs, we get to actually watch the full games. Uh, to me, it's it's what you said. Like, here, here it is, the, the number one defense in terms of yards, yards per game. Ravens are number one in terms of points per game. But they're number one in yards per game, and it just seemed like Stroud in this offense, it was like big play after big play after big play. What was the key to that? Do you feel like it was like the Browns messed up or they they covered it right and the Texans were just better? And whatever the formula was, do you think it's – can they repeat it against the Ravens?
3: It started up front on the offensive line, by far the best game they've had. They've had some games where I've given them my report card F-minus. And that one, I gave him an A plus. Left tackle Laramie Tonsil, who's been battling knee and groin injuries, he had to go out for a couple of plays. He totally stuffed Miles Garrett. The Cleveland media was killing Garrett because it's like he didn't make the trip. Derek Stingley Jr., who's been outstanding in his second season, he totally shut down Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper had eleven catches, two hundred sixty five yards, and two touchdowns here on Christmas Eve. Ravens led 36-7, to won 36-22 because of two garbage-time touchdowns. But they came out and they played them different. They had Stingley followed Cooper all over the field. For whatever reason, uh, Miles Garrett stayed across from and, and as compared to the first game where he played on the other side. And uh, so the offensive line was much better. Gave Stroud a little time to throw. Now, his 76-yard touchdown to tight end, Brevin Jordan was a short pass on the right sideline. That Jordan did a great job of running, and they did a great job of blocking. They're, they're like the 49ers. If your receivers don't block, you don't play. And that's impressed the heck out of me, the way those guys block when they get the opportunity. So that sprung Brevin Jordan for the long touchdown. And they attacked the man coverage. And uh, it's weird. Stroud has been much better against zone than man But the Browns play, man, they've got really good corners, and they just beat them. And uh, when the quarterback's time to throw, that's what happens. He didn't run much. The previous game he had run three times for 20 yards and two first downs. So it started there. And then, of course, the defense in the third quarter with Flacco's back-to-back pick sixes. And you knew no matter if if the Ravens, if the Browns had won the Super Bowl, Flacco still wouldn't have been back. They got 230 million reasons to stick with Deshaun Watson. And everybody covered the team told me, no way he'd be back. Now, it's not an issue because he kind of spit the bit in the big game there. And I think it was more had to do with the Texans. And there's a great thing on NFL Films in which D'Amico Ryans is telling linebacker Christian Harris, this is going to happen, and then here's what I want you to do. You break on the ball, you step in front of that receiver when he's making the end cut, and he's going to throw it right to you. And then that's exactly what happened on Christian Harris when he had the second pick six. is amazing that uh, Ryans would see that. But it's, uh, it's can they do this against the Ravens? The Ravens are better overall than the Browns. They run the ball better. Texans shut down the Browns' running game. Both times they played. Texans' run defense has been great, except for the Colts game. They ran for 227. Jonathan Taylor ran for 188. They were third against the run going in, six coming out. Then they bounced back, shut down the run. So that's going to be a big deal. And, of course, I can't wait to see who they have spying on Lamar. I am guess it's going to be linebacker Blake Cashman or linebacker Christian Harris because both can run.
1: And speaking of the run game, this just became official right before we started recording this. Dalvin Cook, as we all expected, well, actually, we thought he was going to be a game day practice squad activation. At least Sarah and I thought so. But, hey, he's just been straight up signed to the 53-man roster. So it sure looks like he's going to be a part of the equation, John, uh, this upcoming weekend. And now they're going to have Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, of course, in that room as well. But you mentioned Laramie Tunsil. And this stat was eye-popping to me because you also mentioned Miles Garrett. Look at this. I mean, Laramie popped up on the injury report. So, first of all, we want to know he's not on it anymore, but we'd love to know where he is status wise from your perspective. But how about this? Miles Garrett failed to generate a single pressure across six matchups against Laramie in week 16. This is courtesy of next gen stats. Wow. Tunzel is unbelievable. And something that the Ravens did pretty well in week one, obviously, was get to CJ, as we've mentioned, five sacks, a bunch of pressures. Um, where is Tunzel's status?
3: He's, he doesn't practice much, and when he does, he's limited because he's had a knee problem all year, but he always answers the bell. He missed a couple of games early, and when he got hurt against the Browns, he was on one knee, and he, was, he had his hand on his right kneecap, and he was moving his hand around where it looked like he was moving his kneecap around, but he wasn't. He was just feeling it because something had happened. He only missed a couple of plays, but he'll be out there. They've got their – Offensive line intact. Uh, three of them began the season as backups, and there's only two starters that began the season, Tonso and uh, right guard Shaq Garrett. But they that's they don't run block very well in a part of it, not just the line. But they went to the zone, zone running and blocking scheme. Damian Pierce, who was on a uh, pace for 1,200 yards as a rookie last year, but missed the last four games. With an ankle injury, he totally lost, and he just has not been able to pick up that zone scheme. Devin Singletary has, so you'll see St- Singletary involved in the running and the passing game, but the offense still revolves around Stroud and the play action.
2: Hey, John, you had mentioned that there's probably going to be a spy on Lamar. I've asked this question for a lot of people that when we do these previews, a lot, have, a lot of uh, reporters have said that their team – is going to, like, just want to contain Lamar, keep him in the pocket, and make him win that way. Well, he's been winning that way. That may, that may have worked in, you know, 2019, Lamar, but he's been winning in the pocket. So, now, last time I felt like uh, Texans got him, I think they had seven quarterback hits, including three sacks. So what do you think the, the proper way to try to defend him will be to try to slow him down? Because he can still run, but he can also uh, light you up from inside the pocket.
3: Uh, And, in fact, he's going to have Mark Andrews back. And remember back when they lost that game to Tennessee in the playoffs, he had over 500 yards. But their goal was to not let him throw it down the field because he loves to go down the middle of the field to his tight end, especially Andrews, make him throw to the boundary. But he's learned how to throw the boundary, plus he's got receivers over there. So you can say you want to keep him in the pocket. The problem with Lamar Jackson, If he doesn't know where he's going to run, there's no way you can know where he's going (laughs) to run. And every time he drops back and he starts darting in and out, and he's so elusive and he could pull up any minute and throw the ball, it's a nightmare for defensive players. And I would assume D'Amico Ryans, who calls the signals on defense, is going to have the middle of the field protected, probably try to get him to throw. To Flowers and Beckham outside their corners, Derek Stingley Jr., and I mentioned earlier, has been tremendous. And I'm eager to see are they going to put him on, say, Odell Beckham Jr., they're going to put him on, say, Flowers, the other corner, Stephen Nelson, an 81 yard pick six against the Browns. But uh, it's the problem the Texans have had, and I know the Ravens will take advantage of this. They, of the four safeties on their roster, three of them weren't on the team when the season began. And if you had to sign them all off the street because of injuries, so you have one, Jalen Petrie, a second-year safety, who has struggled in coverage for most of the year. Then you got three guys off the street. So throwing deep is something teams need to do, and I'm sure they'll try it a couple times early. Don't know if it'll be Flowers or Beckham or Andrews down the middle, but they're going to throw the ball down the field and try to test the safeties because everybody does.
1: Couldn't help but notice one of your colleagues' bold statements, and you got to help me out here with this graphic if if he was being sarcastic or not, but Sean Pendergast uh, of 6'10 said that the Texans are the only warm-weather playoff team that's on the Ravens' level right now. One, there's not a ton of (laughs) warm-weather teams left out there. I think we can categorize San Francisco being one, and if we do, uh, they certainly would have my vote, but I want to bring this up because – the Texans are firing on all, on all cylinders. They clearly have your market believing again in such a quick turnaround. So, one, was, was there any sarcasm here? And, two, do you guys actually believe this?
3: First of all, I've been to San Francisco 50 times, and I've never heard it <laughs> called a warm-weather city. It's one of the coldest cities in the country it's all year round. A member W.C. Fields said the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. Sean Pendergast, who's the morning host here on SportsRadio610.com, and we do three Utopia football podcasts a week. And I think that's what he was talking about. Uh, if you look at the teams, say, in warm-weather cities, the Texans are the only one left uh, playing in the AFC. And so that's what he's talking about. Are the Texans on the level with the Ravens? Of course they're not. Could they win? Sure, they could pull an upset, but it's not likely. And uh, but even if they lose, there'd be a lot of disappointment here. But when everybody thought they'd be one of the two or three worst teams in the league, when they look back on the season and what's in store in the draft and in free agency where they have the fourth most money under the cap, people will be so pumped about the off season and then next season. And I tell them, you better pump the brakes a little bit because that last-place schedule is going to be a little bit harder with the first-place schedule.
2: All right, so you're pumping the brakes. That leads us into <laughs> prediction time. I feel like I know – I feel like where you're sort of headed, what's your prediction in this game, John? Right, it's
3: 27-20. I think it'll be <laughs> – Closer the spread here is nine to nine and a half. It fluctuates. And uh, I think the Texans can come within a touchdown because of Stroud, because they're plus twelve in turnover ratio. And I and I don't think they're gonna start turning the ball over all of a sudden because Stroud has just been so disciplined. He hasn't forced passes, he hasn't tried to hit receivers who are covered or throw it into to tight windows. And the other thing is you know, so many times interceptions bounce off receivers' hands. That hasn't happened. He throws such a pretty pass. Reminds me of Warren Moon, first ballot Hall of Famer, the way he throws the ball. But he doesn't throw it in a way that it's too high and it bounces off the receiver. It just it's been uncanny the accuracy he has. Now, I say that, and it might be like TJ Yates in two thousand and twelve, who threw three interceptions as a rookie. And they had four turnovers in that game. And they lost by seven then. So that's why I'm picking seven difference now.
1: Another thing, I've done a lot of prep. I've listened to a lot of 610 radio over the last 24 hours getting ready for this, John. And so one of the topic points was where potentially could a nine-point underdog have the upper hand on the Ravens coming in here? I heard some special teams conversations. I heard some other areas. But there wasn't one definitive area. Do you have one in mind?
3: Texans special teams have been great. Uh, Rick Goslin in Dallas, who has the definitive special teams rankings in 28 categories, all the NFL teams pay attention to him. He had the Texans number one for the second year in a row. Now, Kaimi Fairbairn's been great, but nobody stacks up to Justin Tucker, who will be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. And uh, But I think the only way the Texans would have a chance is if the Ravens came out and turned the ball over in the tex in the in their end of the field to shorten the field and I think there's going to be it's a field goal game for the Texans and uh, but I think that would be the only way an inordinate number of turnovers by the Ravens especially if it were early whether it's a fumble or an interception that would allow the Texans to get ahead kind of take the crowd out of the game but uh that's so un raven like uh, to me I picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl before the season on my 18 shows and podcasts and TV shows. And so I'd like to see the Ravens win the Super Bowl. For I wanted, to, I wanted for old time's sake, it to be Detroit and Cleveland because of the fans. Well, the Texans took care of Cleveland. Now I want it to be the Ravens to beat uh the 49ers cuz so many former Texans coaches are with the Niners and uh so i just want Baltimore to win so I can brag about it because so few <laughs> times in my career have I ever been able to brag about it but one time it was the last time the Ravens won the Super Bowl I picked that and got a lot of mileage out of it
1: <laughs> it's Love looking it. like that that is still alive very much alive that prediction so John, we really appreciate your time. Anything else, Sarah, before we jump?
2: No, sir, we appreciate you, John. Always good
3: stuff, as always.
2: My pleasure, guys. Thank you very
3: much. I believe they play again next year, so I'll be happy to come on with you anytime.
1: Absolutely. You. And before before you jump, too, let everybody know, just remind of, just in case they want to check in on the Houston beat over the next couple of days, where they can all find right, you. I
3: right write columns for five a week for sportsradio610.com. That's the Texans flagship station, number one in Houston, and there's no paywall and I always like to tell people that because so many people complain about newspapers, paywalls, and uh, thank you guys very much for having me, and good luck to the Ravens. We have a home just outside Annapolis, and I will be up there soon after the weather gets a little bit warmer.
1: That's fantastic. You might be the hardest-working retired man that we know, by the
3: way. I haven't worked a day since I was in high school.
1: (laughs) We love what we do, don't we? We're appreciative of it. We do. For sure. John, thank you so much. Enjoy it. Thank you guys. It. All right, Texas Sports Hall of Famer and 610 radio columnist. You can check out his work. We'll, we'll we'll link to all of it in the in the description of this video. He's as good as it gets. And yeah, I forgot about that. On on week 1, he did tell us that he and his wife have a home, uh, a second home and they they spend a good portion of the warm warmer well actually no, it's not warmer it wouldn't be warmer than it would be down in Houston. That's no. probably why they leave yeah, to they come leave, up here. they probably
2: escape the heat is what yeah. they do. Yeah. By the way, Although all you're, things you're considered, you're getting into some some uh well, you have it in Houston too, but that humidity is is no joke. Right. Yeah.
1: By the way, all things considered with the whole warm weather comment, of the teams left, you could make an argument that San Francisco is warm weather. Of the teams left is a warm weather city. Sure. I don't know when that sure. comment when was you made. Comparing
2: the Green Bay <laughs> and to like yeah Buffalo and sure. Kansas
1: City and Baltimore this time of year we're in the I've, only been, I've only
2: been in San Fran twice and both time I've been it's like not been warm. Yeah.
1: His reaction to that was hilarious. <laughs> Shout out to a few of our OG patrons: Dion Coleman, plus Lisa and Bryant Mason. Thank you all for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore. If you guys are interested in doing the same this postseason, you can visit patreon.com forward slash. Ravens Vault podcast. That link can be found in the show notes below to see more about what we're offering this month. But uh, John is John is awesome. It's funny. I, I had I, I haven't. I'm not lying. I spent a lot of time the last 24 hours when time permitted, mostly at yeah. the gym last night. I've been on a my body clock is so off, just just off kilter right now because of the move, because of how balls the wall we are right now. But I couldn't help but but notice that that same station that, that he writes for, one of the guys, I think it might have been Sean Pendergast, they were trying to come up with areas where, and they were having a debate about, okay, where do the Texans potentially have the advantage here? You know, a nine-point underdog. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention this to John because I wanted to save it for us. But one thing they came up with, Sarah, and I know you'll appreciate this, quote, the Ravens only had 27 passing touchdowns this year. <laughs> that was one of the areas, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy. Oh, boy, they're really reaching here for something. Yeah. Look, I think that there could be an advantage. I, I looked at the-, the numbers, and it is crazy to think that a team going up against the Ravens could have an advantage in the special teams department. But it has been inconsistent in that, not down the stretch, so to speak, and they've won- they won a game based on their special teams this year, did the Ravens against the Rams. But Houston's been phenomenal in that category. And when you're a nine-point underdog, you better come in with something up your yeah. sleeve in the special teams department because they're gonna be looking for any kind of way. And you said it's gonna you heard John, he said it's gonna be a field goal game, is that's what he's expecting for Houston. So perhaps for that's Houston, one area. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I I appreciate the question actually, because as I keep looking at this game and I'm watching, you know, game film from uh them and how they beat the Browns. And I'm looking at their roster. Like it is those types of things that are going to have to happen for them to pull off an upset. Like uh, the Ravens roster is just more talented. It's just more talented where, wherever you look as good as CJ Stroud is Lamar's better. Like it's a rookie sensation, but Lamar's the MVP. You know what I mean? Um, You look at Laramie Tunsell and it's like, yes, he did shut down Garrett, and at the same time, the Ravens don't do it like the Browns. It's We've said it before. It, w- there's not like one star pass rusher. It's come, not only do the Ravens, did the Ravens lead the league in sacks, but they led in, in how many different players got sacks. And so it can't be, oh, just put Laramie Tunsil on your best pass rusher and try to shut him down. It's like you might be able to slow down one guy, but then you've got another guy who's going to step up. Um, he talked about Stingley and how he was able to shut down Amari Cooper. And maybe that'll happen. Maybe Stingley will be able to slow down Zay Flowers, but then their safeties are an issue. And now you've got Likely and Mark Andrews. And then you still have Bateman and you still have Aguilar and you still have OBJ. And it just is like, while they do have amazing, really, really good pieces, there, it just isn't as many. So when you talk about when you talk about how they win, you do have to go to that stuff. You have to say, okay, and I'm not saying it can't happen because any given Sunday, it would have to be something Saturday, huge on Saturday. special teams. What's that?
1: Any given Saturday.
2: Oh, any given Saturday. <laughs> Thank, you, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh yeah, any given Saturday. So it would have to be something crazy on special teams where you give up yeah. a punt return or a kickoff return, or it would have to be a pick six, right? Like what Joe Joe Flacco did. Lamar would have to. It would, And it would have to be rust, right? It would have to be rust. It would have to be those types of things yep. because the Ravens are just a more talented team. And he even talked about it. I know I saw some Texans fans uh, like, you know, kind of upset with me in the comments when I said that you just got to make, you have to make them one-dimensional. I don't think they have the running game to do it. So, it and like I said, it could happen. It could happen where all those things could snowball. The Ravens could come in. Rusty, which I don't predict is going to happen, but it could happen. Like, there could be turnovers. That's the formula for the Texans to win, because the Ravens are just more talented.
1: One thing we should probably discuss that I mentioned just briefly with John is this, and that is that uh, Dalvin Cook has been signed to the Ravens' 53-man roster. So, yes, according to Adam Schefter, who spoke to his agency, who you've also been speaking with this week as well. um, they got to be busy. But (laughs) – yeah, he's going to play in Saturday's divisional playoff. And I guess the surprise here is that given the other players that we discussed earlier this week that are eligible to, to – that there's now three – well, there's now two spots. But as of last night, there were three available roster spots. Right. Now there's only two. And you got a couple practice squad activations as well that are that are possible. By the way, Melvin Gordon. There's some reports out there that Melvin Gordon is expected to sign back with the Ravens on the practice squad, which is what you you had suggested they might do. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, between Mark Andrews, Devin Duvernay, and our Darius Washington, only two of the three of those will end up on the game day roster. Correct.
2: Correct, unless they make another another cut. Right. You know. Um, but yeah, that, that's surprising. So to me, it's gotta be Devin DuVernay mm-hmm. because Tylen Wallace doesn't look like he's ready to go. So I would, pro- right. I would think it's him. Um, I guess we'll look again. We'll find out. I mean, by the time people are listening to this, maybe they'll already know. We'll see if Mark Andrews gets another day of full participation, which would be the indication of yeah. if it's him and, um, Darius Washington, uh, who played well when he was out there. Um, Hmm. There is though other go- like if Hamilton's playing and uh, Arthur Mallette's ready to go, um, you know maybe maybe it's Washington that doesn't that doesn't get the the go ahead. So uh, we'll see we'll see if Mark's another full participant. Um, but the way it's been look- trending, it certainly looks like he's he's on he's certainly in line to play.
1: Yeah, my my feel is that now this has happened, you're gonna they're gonna go with Duvernay. They're going to go with Andrews. Those will fill those those two vacant spots. And then after that, it's like, all right, well, you know, Jeff Zarebeck noted it, right? Like, Delshawn Phillips hasn't been practicing reserve linebacker, so perhaps you give that practice squad game day activation to a guy like Josh Ross. Right. Um, and then after that, you know, it'll really just be depth pieces, making sure that you're covering all all grounds, all pieces. But,
2: but – but, And so that's – I'm glad we covered all that, who could get them. But then at the same time – I'm slightly surprised by this, that they went ahead and gave him a 53-man roster spot. Certainly wasn't necessary. Yeah. And so is this, so now I'm curious, and this is why I've been trying. I've been trying to get Dalvin on. We've been talking, but it's one thing to talk, and it's another thing to get a time, and, and, and yeah. uh, you get him on the show. But like, this is what I want to know. Like when you signed, was it kind of promised? Like a lot of times the Ravens will first get a guy in 50 on the practice squad and say, Hey, we're going to get you to the 53. Yeah. Was that decided when he signed? Right. Or is this a situation that it's like he showed up and they're like, Oh, okay. He's got juice. Oh, we, that's what I want to know. Is this like courtesy? Cause we said we would do this when we signed him, and it was like part of the deal. So we didn't go elsewhere. Or is this like, yeah, he's going to be a big part of the game plan. My hope is that it's the latter because you can never have too much juice.
1: Yeah. My my gut tells me it's the former based just based on the way that he's been acting on social media. This guy's come in. He's putting up photos every couple of days, maybe even multiple times a day of him in a Ravens uniform, him and Zay Flowers. I mean, you know, I'm not you don't want to jump to conclusions, but it just seems like I could see a scenario in which they were like, look. You know, we we want you. We need yeah. you right now. And this is the plan. And who knows? Maybe he's just excited and, and shown that kind of opportunity and, and they've been pleasantly surprised by it. Who knows? But hopefully we have a chance to catch up with him one way or another uh in the near future. Uh, again, to your point, we're we're trying our best here with Dalvin. We're trying our best here with Ray. We got a lot of irons in the fire. Uh we're also trying to, you know, give you as and produce as much content as possible, being that this is this is the Mecca. Right? This is this is what we work for yep. all year long, and we're here now. So we're closing in on divisional round weekend. We'll have a morning vault coming up for you on Friday. Do we and give then, our predictions? Yeah, did we not do those already? I, I feel like we I've been on him. so many shows this this. Yeah, week. we did them
2: on Ings' show.
1: We did. Okay, all right. Ings yeah, I had thirty like, twenty, thirty to twenty Ravens.
2: I have thirty one twenty four.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah. We did that's right. And I don't even know if Ing's uh, episodes have dropped yet, but I assume it's going to at some point here in the near future. You and I went on Ing's Ing's uh, YouTube channel, which is awesome. Ingraven um creator in, in this space. He's been doing Ravens content daily for a long, long time. Huge big fish in the YouTube space, and we have a lot of respect for him. And he was a part of our state of the Ravens. He kind of set the tone. He came out with a little goatee, a little bomber jacket on in that opening hour, which was uh which is pretty drippy. But uh yeah, I think we're I think we're all set, right? So right, yeah, yeah, Friday morning vault, we'll do our best with guests. And then uh, I'll be out at the Be More Around Town tailgate at 801 West Austin Street from 2 o'clock up until kickoff. Jimmy Smith, Ed Dixon, Jermaine Lewis, and many others are going to be dropping by, so it should be a lot of fun. Tailgate passes are still available. And tickets, especially on game time, tickets are still available. So I know it's going to be cold, especially with it getting dark in the first quarter with a 4.30 kick. But gosh, I mean, take take advantage of this. This is a divisional round playoff game in Baltimore, and if you're kind of, you know, on the fence or whatever, think about going. It's a Saturday, it's playoff football, it's it's nationally televised, it's a huge game, and um, do your part to ensure that whatever you can to make sure that history doesn't repeat itself. Like it, it did better four be years rocking
2: ago. in the bank. It, it better, better be. be rock. I do what I I want to see CJ Stroud going like this to this his helmet. Yeah. Being like, yeah, and have to call a timeout. Let's yep. make that happen.
1: I'm just saying, though, Spencer Schultz is tweeting about tickets. Jack Settleman's trying to get people going, right? They're doing raffles. They're doing giveaways. You had real fan Dan a week or so ago kind <laughs> of take a shot at the fan base. Listen, take exception to that, all right, and make sure that the bank is filled. Let's go. Let's make sure there's a real home field advantage like there is pretty much in every other playoff market that's still left out there think about kansas city think about buffalo the bank should be right in that conversation in terms of home field advantage so all right guys appreciate you patreon.com forward slash raven's vault podcast if you want to get more involved with what we're building here you can find all that information in the show notes we appreciate you as always you can follow the vault on twitter if you don't already at raven's vault and yeah we got plenty more content coming up this weekend look forward to being with you guys again soon on friday's morning ball